it totally makes sense that I was asked to speak for this relationship series. I'm sort of a relational guru. I'm like a master of relationships. And it started when I was young. In high school, I attended a summer camp where my best friend Mark and I saw two girls across the volleyball court and we instantly developed crushes on them. In my mind, I started envisioning what would happen next. You know, first I would blow them away with my late 90s style and haircut, and then they'd be swept off their feet by my introduction, which was, sup girls? <laughs> then they would fall in love with us, start coming to our football games where I would be the star. They'd travel around to our Christian punk rock band concerts. They'd be captivated by my screaming abilities. It was gonna be glorious. Uh, on the way to talk to them, we decided to stop and drink some Mountain Dew Ices because like Oklahoma in the summer is hotter than the Horn of Africa. Apparently, Mountain Dew Ices don't have the necessary electrolytes and hydration required for such a hot day because when we reached the girls, I opened my mouth to talk and, and how do I say this in a classic way? I, I spewed Mountain Dew Icy everywhere. And then I leaned up and I wiped my mouth and I said, sup girls? <laughs> I turned and walked away. See, I'm a relational guru and a relationship master until it comes to actual people. Like the real life ones, I have a harder time with. In my mind, people tend to be very agreeable. If we have a conflict, they eventually see things my way. They have pleasant ways of viewing the world, amazing tastes in movies and music, and, and they never get on my nerves. But real people <laughs> frustrate me. They annoy me. They push my buttons. They know all of my pet peeves. The author Charles Bukowski was once asked if he hated people, and he said, I don't hate people. I just feel better when, aren't, when they aren't around. 99% uh, of us would say that we are all for a community. We love the idea of spending our lives surrounded by others, serving others, being open and vulnerable and navigating this world in relationship. But then we talk to someone with a different political persuasion, someone with, a, with the opposite personality type, or someone in our house that chews their food with their mouths wide open, uh, or someone who hangs the toilet paper so it goes under instead of over, uh, which of course is a sin. <laughs> In theory, people in relationships are great and simple, but in reality, it's a different story. And especially uh, when we're sheltered and stuck with people in houses like this for months at a time with no way out. And Christians, we tend to do this in another way too. We say, I love God. He's worthy of worship and honor and praise. He's great and wonderful and gracious. But the little creatures he's made... I'm not so sure about them. Is that a problem? Yeah, it's a huge problem. Here's why. Jesus comes along and someone asks him, what is the most important law? What's the core of everything taught in the law and prophets? And Jesus replies by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This totally made sense. This was what the Jewish people called the Shema, which comes from Deuteronomy. The Shema was a prayer that Jewish people would pray every morning and every night. And so this made sense. But then Jesus has the audacity to add a second part to this legendary creed. He says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. 
All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, this was revolutionary and provocative. Jesus says that there's more to it. It's not just about loving God, but you also have to love your neighbor. You have to love the people around you. Uh, you have to love everyone close to you. He's pointing out that these, these two are completely connected. You can't have one without having the other. One can't be true without the other. So he points out a powerful shift in perspective. If you love God, then you will love people. And this is the truth we want to talk about today. Your relationships reveal what you really believe. I'll say it again. Your relationships reveal what you really believe. It's easy to say we love God and his kingdom. It's easy to have fantasies of goodness and service in our minds. But our real relationships with others, they reveal what's in our hearts. They reveal our values. They reveal our issues. And this is vital for us to wrestle with because if love is our basic and core command, then lovelessness is the core sin. All of human evil and darkness comes back to lovelessness. So we want to explore the ways lovelessness creeps into our lives. And we're going to do this by looking at the two forms it takes. And the first form is this. Sometimes I do things or say things that I shouldn't. And then the second one is sometimes I don't do or say things that I should. To help us see these two, we're going to go back to the original stay-at-home order, the original shelter-in-place, the original quarantine couple. We're going to look at Adam and Eve, alone with God, sheltered in their garden. You know, you think you have it bad. Like Adam and Eve were sheltered-in-place. They didn't even have DoorDash. (laughs) So let's go to Genesis, and we see this in Genesis. God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden shall not touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So here we see, Adam and Eve do something they shouldn't. This is the first form of lovelessness, and we could call this colliding, colliding. Like I have a will, which means I want what I want. In their relationship with God, he placed a rule against eating from this tree. But Adam and Eve wanted what they wanted, so they did what was necessary to get what they want. And the problem in our human relationships is that you also have a will. You have things you want, and oftentimes what you want is not what I want, which causes tension and pressure, which often results in explosion and colliding. I have an older sister named April, and when I was eight eight years old, our relationship operated sort of in the standard older sibling, younger sibling way. She was the leader, the boss, the overseer of all play activities. And one day we were playing school. She was a teacher. I was a student, of course. And I got an answer wrong, and I got frustrated, and I wanted to play something else. And she did not want that. 
So I started yelling at her, I threw some things, and she decided to leave, which just put me over the edge, and I did the unspeakable. I got out a piece of chalk, and I wrote on huge letters on the porch so the entire family could see, April is dumb. D-U-M. Apparently, we hadn't gone over spelling yet in our pretend school. Uh, once my parents saw it, I was grounded. So I sat and I reflected and, you know, I knew it was wrong. I knew it was something I shouldn't have done. I, and I didn't want to hurt her. I just wanted something so badly and someone else wanted something different. So I got caught up in my emotions and I exploded. Now, here's what happens in our relationships is we, we constantly bump up against the will of others. And it's different than ours. They disagree with us. They, they approach things in a different way. And over time, internally, our emotions get built up and it gets pressurized. And even more so in a time like now where we're stuck at home, our kids are pounding on the door during Zoom calls, our roommates never wash the dishes, and someone keeps hanging the toilet paper upside down. At some point, the pressure builds up too much and we spew on those around us. We spew... <laughs> Anger, mean words, passive aggressiveness, we spew looks, we spew daggers. We do or say things we shouldn't. We collide. Now, what we have to do is learn healthy ways of releasing the pressure slowly. Examining why there is pressure in the first place. Imagine if we approach these moments with a different perspective. Remember, relationships reveal what we really believe, what is deep in our hearts. Imagine if we use these moments of pressure and tension as a tool to help us reveal what's inside us. What if instead of spewing, we stopped and we took a walk? We allowed the pressure to release slowly and we asked ourselves, why did that just trigger me? What if in every moment before we spewed anger or daggers, we took some breaths? We ask God to reveal what is happening in me internally right now. What if we simply ask questions like, why am I angry? Why is that so annoying to me? Why can't I see things their way? Why do I always find myself in this situation? Now, maybe God has given you these relationships to help reveal your heart. Maybe he wants to reveal the areas that he wants to transform you and grow you. Let's be honest here. Maybe he wants to show you that when we talk about, I love you, but you're driving me nuts, maybe you are the one that is driving someone nuts. See, loving your neighbor begins at home with our spouses, our kids, our roommates, our siblings. We can drop our defensiveness, our need to have the last word or always be right. We can release the pressure. We can allow these relationships to be a tool to reveal what's really in our hearts. Now the other sin of lovelessness is what we could call hiding. So there's colliding and then there's hiding. When we think of sin, we usually think of doing what we shouldn't. But even bigger than that is the failure to do what we should. So back to Genesis. So they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called out uh, to man and he, and he said to him, where are you? 
And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So instead of facing the discomfort and the vulnerability of being real with God, Adam and Eve hid. They were afraid of risking, afraid of the pain, afraid of the conversation, afraid of stepping out and exposing themselves. See, here, here's the deal. Relationships require risk and courage and discomfort. See, there's a big market for keeping us from facing discomfort. We're surrounded by devices that help us stay comfortable, cozy, and numb. We have Netflix, comfort food, noise-canceling headphones, and TikTok videos. These days, we don't even have to abandon our, our comfortable sweatpants. As a dad, I can wear my sandals with socks during a Zoom call without being judged, finally. There are a few shows my wife and I watch over and over again, and one of them is The Office. I'm too embarrassed to tell you how many times we've watched the entire show. Uh, we watch it because it's funny, sure, but even more, it's comfortable. These relationships are easy. I know that Jim and Pam will get together. I know that Michael Scott will learn or unlearn a lesson in 30 minutes. I know that conflicts will be resolved. I can enjoy their character quirks, mistakes, and annoyances from a safe distance. These relationships are like the one, ones in my head. They, they require no risk or pain or conflict or vulnerability. It's warm and comfy. If we're not careful, we can end up hiding from the people and the things that matter most to us. We avoid the potential pain and discomfort that comes from relationships. Brene Brown, whose life work revolves around vulnerability, says this, to love someone fiercely, to believe in something with your whole heart, to celebrate a fleeting moment in time, to fully engage in a life that doesn't come with guarantees, these are risks that involve vulnerability and often pain. But I'm learning that recognizing and leaning in to the discomfort of vulnerability teaches us how to live with joy, gratitude, and grace. Real relationships require risk. They require discomfort. Adam and Eve were naked and scared to be their full selves. You know, it's interesting that uh, we've all had to get used to wearing masks everywhere we go. You know, now it's normal for us to walk through the grocery store not knowing if others are smiling or smirking or they're laughing at me in my socks and sandals. But for many of us, we've been wearing masks for years. We hide behind niceties and formalities and we pretend we're something we aren't. We hide our true selves from others. See, relationships reveal what we really believe, but conversely, we need to reveal who we really are in our relationships. But it's uncomfortable. If we open up to someone, they could reject us. If we tell someone how we feel, they could ignore us. If we confront someone, it could create tension. But the most noble things in life are never convenient or comfortable. Love, parenting, justice, purpose, we inconvenience ourselves for what we love. So, what is God calling you to say or do in your relationships? Are you avoiding it? Are you hiding from it? Many of you will know about this, but a few years ago, a nurse from Australia had uh, cared for numerous people on their deathbed, and she wrote a blog detailing the five most common regrets 
people shared before they died. And here was number three. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. This is what people said on their deathbed. Courage to express what I'm really feeling. Courage to risk. Some of you listening, you've lost a loved one. And you thought to yourself, man, I wish I had one more chance to say this. I wish I'd had one more chance to watch a sunset with them or take a trip to a national park or apologize or give in a long hug. So many of us end up numbing, hiding, and staying comfortable instead of doing and saying the things we should. We don't reach out to those in our neighborhood. We don't call that person and apologize. We don't engage in, uncom in uncomfortable conversations. This next week, what if you wrote a letter of appreciation to someone that needs to hear it? What if you took your child out for an ice cream date and you just listened to them intently? What if you called the parent and told them that you love them? See, this is one of the many reasons uh, life groups are so important at our church. We all need a person or groups of people that we can peel off our mask and we can be our true selves. Like, don't pull off your literal mask. <laughs> Not yet. If you want to learn more about life groups or even maybe about our Facebook groups, you know, you can just hit the chat button and you can talk to one of our online hosts and they can help you with that. Uh, now, for others of us, we've been burned in the past. Uh, we showed our true selves to someone and they betrayed us. They cheated on us or gossiped about us or gave up on us. Maybe you lost someone you loved or you haven't been able to find a significant other or a group of friends. Maybe you wonder if you are unlovable or worthy of being yourself to others. Maybe you're ready to throw in the towel. And now you're faced with a choice. Uh, one of my favorite authors, Henry Nowen, says this, Every time you experience the pain of rejection, absence, or death, you're faced with a choice. You can become bitter and decide not to love again, or you can stand straight in the pain. Let the soil in which you stand become richer and more able to give life to new seeds. So are you willing to try again, to allow something new to grow? Are you willing to come out of hiding? Imagine if in our moments of comfort and numbing, we instead use that time to allow God to reveal what is really in our hearts. What am I hiding from? Why am I scared? What am I running from? Maybe God wants to reveal to you the baggage you're carrying. Maybe he wants you to examine your shame and guilt and wounds. Maybe he wants to expose your fears and anxieties. Maybe he wants, to risk, wants you to risk revealing yourself because he sees the real you. And he knows that the real you is nothing to be ashamed of. Because here's the twist. Relationships reveal what we really believe. And God's relationship with us reveals what he really believes about you and me. Over and over again, scriptures reveal that God doesn't see you as a mistake, deserving to be hidden. He sees you as a beloved child created in his image. He says, why are you hiding? Step into the light. You are wonderful and beautiful and loved. You, you are someone worth risking and becoming uncomfortable for. You are someone worth dying for. This is what's revealed about you. See, we can love God because he first loved us. 
He sacrificed his comfort for us. Our flaws and imperfections, our sins of colliding, our sins of hiding. And now we are free to pass on our, pass on our comfort and pass on this love to others. Real people, broken, imperfect, beloved sons and daughters of God. We can love our neighbor, even if they hang the toilet paper the wrong way.